Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. It's so nice to see all of your beautiful, smiling faces in the house of God tonight. I'm so glad you're here. God is so good. So, so good. It just amazes me how good he is. Like, have you ever just really stopped and thought about that? Like, man, he blows my mind. He's so good. All we have to do is ask. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. All I have to do is ask and believe, have faith, and he'll do the work. He's just amazing. I love him. Okay, so tonight we are going to talk. My topic tonight is marriage and money. Okay, so several of you have told me that you're, um, you guys all know how, um, much I enjoy talking about finances and money and management and all that kind of stuff. And several of you have uh, let me know that you want to hear more of that. So I am going to do that for you tonight. So tonight, though, our topic is marriage and money. And the Bible tells us that two become one in marriage. Okay? Matthew 19.5 says... Um, and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. And two are always stronger than one. Ecclesiastes 4.12 tells us, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Proverbs 31.12 says, She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And, you know, it's really interesting to me, and I've said this before, how really everything in our lives is in the Bible. If you're facing any situation, just look to the word of God. You're going to find the answer that you need for the situation that you're facing. And sometimes we don't know what to do. Well, go to the word of God and you're going to find your answer. But the Bible tells us that a wise man will listen to advice. A wise man listens to advice. So sometimes people will tell us things and it's not always what we want to hear. But remember, a wise man will listen to advice. That's scriptural. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. So I don't want to do things my way. I want to do things God's way. There is less than a 10% divorce rate if you are in agreement on these four things that we're going to cover tonight in marriage. Less than a 10% divorce rate 
if you're in agreement on these four things. The biggest cause for divorce in America, number one, is money. Who would have ever thought money could cause divorce? Why is that? Because so many arguments and fights and whatever happen over money issues. But within that, there's some other factors that I want to bring out to you. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. One of the things that I've heard a lot of people do is they split their finances when they get married. So um, he's responsible for this portion of the household bills, and I'm responsible. Yes, amen. She already knows the answer. And I'm responsible for these, okay? So I've heard many people tell me this. Um, you know, he pays the mortgage, the rent, whatever, and the utilities, and then my contribution out of my checking account is I take care of the groceries, um, gas for the car, our car insurance, whatever. So it's split, okay? So let me just tell you something. That doesn't work, okay? Because somebody is always going to end up paying out more than the other one, and it isn't fair, and pretty soon, you know, when you're in an argument, well, guess what? That's going to come up. Well, you know what? You're not contributing as much as I am. I'm giving more than you are. Oh, joy. No. When you got married, you became one. What does that mean? That means all the finances go into one account, and together we are paying the house bills. We are now one. It's not your responsibility and it's not mine. We're in this together, okay? So split finances equals division in marriages. So you're becoming one flesh, one household, one bank account, one budget. You are in agreement, one pact, one commitment, one relationship when you get married, okay? So, and it's imperative that you're both on the same page with regards to the handling of your finances. So, where you spend your money shows the most of what is important to you. And many times I have told people, you know, I just don't know where my money goes. Like, it's, I get paid, and the next thing I know, it's gone. Well, let me tell you what to do. It's real simple. Look at your bank statement. Look at your checking account register. And you're going to see really quickly where your money went. Oh, Starbucks. Oh, some restaurant. Oh, Macy's. Oh, Pennies. That's right. It was that sale. I had to get that. But real quick, you're going to see what's important to you in your life as to where you spend your money. Look at what you're doing. <clears throat> so when you get married, there's no my money, his money, her money. No. To have a successful marriage, it's our money together. 
It doesn't matter who brings home the most money in the household, who has the biggest salary. It's irrelevant. Um, it just matters that you're now married and you're pulling your finances together. So we're earning together, we're planning together, we're budgeting together, we're tithing together, we're giving together, we're spending together, and we're saving together. You need to agree on these different points when it comes to money. One is spending. How are you guys agreeing that you're going to spend the money that you earn? Two, saving. How much are we going to save each pay period? And number three is giving. How much are we going to be giving? Okay? So let's first talk about spending. So together, you need to create a budget and stick to it. And it's so easy, and again, believe me, I'm not standing up here going, I got it all together. Oh, no, I don't, as I've shared with you guys before. I have just learned from experience. So I used to spend every penny I earned. And in fact, just last week, Randy and I were talking about it, or I guess it was this week, like, oh my word, if I would have known 100 years ago what I know today, I would not be working right now. We would be like millionaires. But, of course, we lived foolishly. We spent money when we, you know, credit card or paying for everything for everybody. And it's like, what, what in the world? But it's okay. Today I know better, so today I'm going to do better, right? Okay, so spending. Create a budget together and stick to it. And then you really need to pick one evening um, at the end of the month or at the beginning of the month and sit down together and plan your budget for the month, okay? So if you're a salaried employee, it's really easy to know what your net pay is going to be for the month. But if you're an hourly employee, then you would use your net pay based on a 40-hour work week because over time you can't always count on it. You may or may not have it, but you know you're at least going to work your 40 hours. So if you do so happen to work overtime and that's extra money in your check that you were not expecting, well, guess what? That's extra money that you can throw, one, at your debt snowball if you're still paying off your debt. But if your debt is already paid off, then number two, you would put into savings. Retirement, investing for the future, saving for a home, paying off your home, whatever the case might be, okay? So don't think, oh, this is extra money. I get to go blow it, do something fun. No, 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 it's not extra money. Where are you at in your progress of becoming debt-free and saving for retirement? So depending on where you are is where that money would go. Or how about you walked into work and your boss just said, I appreciate you so much. And so today, I'm going to bless you with a bonus. Yes. I get to go spend it. I can go shopping. I can go out to eat, treat all my friends, all this kind of stuff. No, it's not that. Where am I at in my journey? And depending on where I am will tell me where exactly that's going to go. Now, here's the thing. If you 
are, I'm not saying, you know, okay, it's the bonus and I need to put every penny to whatever. No, no. You could treat yourself because, again, that was unexpected income. But, again, it's all called self-discipline, how much you treat yourself. Okay? So get a good cup of coffee and the both of you sit down together and go through your finances. So together, you're going to say, okay, we are going to be earning the approximately this much net pay take home this month. Now let's go through and list all of our expenses for the month. So your rent, your mortgage, utilities, gas for the car, groceries, car insurance, then any debts that you pay monthly, whether it's a loan or credit cards or whatever, and then figure it all out and have it on paper. And that way you're spending on purpose. Everything is intentional. I know how much money I have and I know exactly where it's going to go. So I've heard way too many people say, she was handling the finances and I had no idea. Or he was handling the finances, and I had no idea. The next thing I knew, we were getting a shutoff notice. Oh, and guess what? To make matters worse, here comes a collection notice. What? I just thought you were taking care of everything. Baloney. Really? <laughs> Baloney. I don't buy that, and I've heard it so many times, and I will call people out on it. Really, come on. No, you knew all along where you guys were, but you didn't want to know. That's the truth of the matter. Why? Because it entitled you so that you could continue spending and acting like everything was okay when, in fact, it wasn't okay. You don't even have enough money to meet your bills, but you're out there shopping and going out to eat and everything else like, you know, I don't know your dad's like super wealthy or something and then he'll pay it all off for you. I don't know. So anyway, you have to know exactly together what's coming in and what's going out. It should never be a burden for one person. So it shouldn't be a burden for the wife. It shouldn't be a burden for the husband. Again, you guys are a married couple and you should love each other enough that we're in this together. And together, we're going to make it work so neither one of us are stressed. It's going to be really simple. Okay? So how could I? You know, I, I, you were just too busy spending money. And then it becomes the other person's problem. It's so easy in conflict to point your finger at somebody else instead of just going, no, wait. It was my responsibility to know and I chose not to get involved. Shame on me, not shame on you, shame on me. Because I should have taken responsibility and been sitting down and saying, okay, where are we? That's fine, you write the checks, you pay the bills, that's fine, but where are we? I wanna know that we're okay. What does the money look like this month? Looks like we're gonna be able to take care of everything. Oh, and we can even save some this month, that's great. Get involved. Know what's going on and make it your business. So I told you to create a budget. You're going to take your net income, write down all of your bills and expenses for the month, and then make sure that you always, sometimes people just write 
like bills that they know, mortgage, rent, utilities, that kind of thing. But don't forget to add into your budget your personal and household expenses, okay? Because yes, you do need a little spending money. Everybody does. So I'm not saying knock that out. No. But again, what does your budget allow? Does your budget allow you $20 a week? I have a friend that I did a budget for, and um, when it was all said and done, she had $20 a week that she could spend on coffee or Starbucks, whatever she wanted. I have another one that was able to do $50 a week and spend that without guilt because it worked into the budget. So you got to do what works for you, and everybody's different, okay? So after we do that, whatever's left over at that point, that's what you're going to use to pay off debt first. Then anything extra, if your debt is paid off, then of course you're gonna save for your retirement. You should be saving and have an emergency fund of at least $1,000, which is your first emergency fund in case of emergency. And then once all your debt's paid off, you're gonna have the six months of a fully funded emergency fund, which is all your living expenses in case you lose your job, whatever, you're unable to work, that you can still continue to live until you're able to find other work, okay? All right, then the second thing is saving. You wanna make sure that you're saving because that's what builds wealth. It allows your money to work for you if you have it in some good investments and you're planning for your future together. We want to be able to have a life and not work till we're 100 years old. We want to be able to retire and live a decent life and, and continue, if anything, the lifestyle that you're currently living today working. Proverbs 21.20 says, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Very interesting. You should not be spending every penny that you earn. A penny saved is a penny earned. We've all heard that. And did you know that there are a lot of people in the United States that are making over $100,000 a year and they're broke? You would think... 100000 a year? Man, if I was making that kind of money, whew, I'd be rich. No, they are broke. And why is that? Because they spend everything they earn, and they're in debt up to their eyeballs. Yet, you can find somebody that's making, say, $50,000 a year, and they're actually rich. Why? Because they don't owe everybody in town, and they're saving money. Your salary doesn't dictate your financial status. Your behavior does. Because it doesn't matter how much you make, it's how you manage the money that you have in your hand. So it's important for us to take responsibility for the money that God has blessed us with. And you know the Bible tells us to be good stewards. And I firmly believe that if we are good stewards of what he's given us, he will give us more. He will, because he knows, you know what, I can trust them with more. Why would I give it to them? They're just going to blow it all. They won't even really realize or appreciate it because they're so busy spending it all. They're, they're taking no notice of it, okay? So saving, you're investing, you're making 401k contributions, 
putting money into a Roth IRA, which is really great for your uh, retirement because then it's pre-tax, um, I mean, it's after-tax dollars, and any income that you earn on it after the fact is tax-free. That's a benefit, okay? You've got your fully funded emergency fund, and then you also have a regular savings that you're contributing to just for things that come up unexpected that you weren't planning on paying for. So something as simple as doing a $5 challenge will help you save money. A lot of people say, I can't save money. I'm really bad at saving money. Well, then I challenge you to do the $5 challenge. What is that? Well, you shouldn't be using de uh, your debit card or credit card to pay for stuff because you lose track of your spending, as I've said before. So you should be paying everything in cash. The $5 challenge is, is if I pay for something with a $20 bill and I get back a $5 bill, every $5 bill I get back, I put in a jar. And if you're hoping that somebody's like, you know what, I'm so sorry, I'm out of fives today. Can, is it okay with you if I give you all ones? Sure, because then I don't have to save it. Absolutely, right? But something as simple as that. You know what, every time I get a five back in change, I'm gonna put it in my $5 challenge jar. And you know what? If you have zero self-discipline, super glue that lid on. So you can't just unscrew the lid and, you know, well, I just need 10 bucks. No, no. And see where you are at the end of the year. And then you said, I couldn't save anything. You're going to find out, no, you really can. It's how bad do you want to do it. It's all it is is a behavior and self-discipline, okay? So it's not about the money. It's about how you manage the money. And a lot of people don't understand that, but it's really true. It's how you manage it. Is it how much you make? How do you manage the money that you have in your hand? All right, the next part of that is giving. So we will give our tithe and offering right off the top because we want to put God first and we want his blessing on the other 90%, right? So I'm going to give back to him what's his. The Bible tells me that if I do that, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Number one. Number two, he will keep the devourer from your house. So lots of people are like, oh, but I can't afford to. You can't afford not to. It's just like insurance. You all need insurance, medical, car, whatever, because you can't afford not to have it because you never know when something's going to happen. And too many times I have seen people like, oh, no, you know, I can't afford to tithe. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Well, good luck with that because guess what? You're going to spend that money somewhere else because something's going to happen that's going to cost you and then you're going to be putting that money somewhere else. So you know what? I'd rather freely give. I don't want to rob him anyway. It's his to begin with. I'm just giving it back, Lord. Thank you for blessing me with it. And here you go. Gladly. Freely I've received. I'm freely given. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. The other thing in giving is we'll bless those that are less fortunate. And it's really important for us to be givers. And I'm not just talking money. I'm talking blessing those that are less fortunate. If you know somebody's unemployed 
or they're coming into rough times, go buy groceries for them and bring it to them. Be a blessing to people. God did not bless you to sit there and just keep everything for yourself. No, no, no. He blessed you to be a blessing. So go be that blessing that he wants you to be. Okay? The other thing in part of giving is your time. How wonderful that I don't have any money. I'm barely making it myself. How can I help somebody else? Oh, you can. The gift of time. What is that? Well, go do something for somebody. Again, be a blessing. We were created to be a blessing. So go mow somebody's yard. You know that somebody struggles to clean their house? Go clean their house for them. How about this? There's a lot of lonely people in this world. Just go sit down and talk to somebody. Go visit them. Sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. You're a blessing. Give your time. And we're all very busy, right? Everybody's working, running, you know, here, there, everywhere. And, but you know what? Sometimes it's easier to give money than your time, in all honesty. But you know what? What a blessing to just go and listen to somebody or visit with somebody. That's another way that you can give. Give the gift of time. All right. Number one was money. Let's go to number two that you need to agree on with regards to staying married and having a happy marriage is your children. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So it's important to teach our children. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And I remember that when the girls were little, Randy taught them that from the word go that there's only one God. And it was the cutest thing that, I don't know, maybe they were like two or three or something, and he would say, how many gods are there? And they'd say, one. (laughs) You know, what's his name? Jesus. And it was the cutest thing, but every night before they went to bed, he'd pray with them, and then he would let them know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and what his name was. Beautiful. So it's our job to raise up our children in the ways of the Lord. So when you get married, how many kids are you going to have? Are you even going to have any? Uh, How are we going to raise them? Will we raise them in the church? What's your thoughts and feelings on discipline? All those are good things you need to speak with your potential mate about before you get married, not after. And sadly, again, people get married and they know nothing about the person they're marrying. I'm like, are you kidding me? So it was all, oh, they're so wonderful. And I'm thinking, for all the time you guys spent together, you don't even know what that person's favorite color is. What have you been doing with your time together? I don't want to know because I can pretty much figure it out. 
but you don't know their birthday. You don't know what their favorite color is. You don't even know what their drink of choice is. You don't know what their favorite food is. Do they like Mexican food, Italian food, steak, seafood? What in the world, people? No, come on. Let's have these conversations before. Not after, like, well, I didn't know that. I, I wanted 10 kids, and you didn't want any? No, 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 no. It's a little too late. So again, these are things that have to be discussed beforehand. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So just as an FYI, kids should not be running your house. If they are... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's important for your children to be well-behaved, and it is your responsibility to teach and train them to be respectful, to be kind, uh, to help others. Uh, you know, are you teaching your boys to open doors for the ladies? Are you teaching your children to hold doors for disabled people? Uh, all those things, it's your responsibility as a parent. And, you know, when somebody's talking to you, you listen. If I'm talking to somebody, you don't interrupt me when I'm talking. You wait till I'm done, and then I'll take care of whatever. No. It's your job as a parent to raise your children and teach them to be respectful. All right, Ephesians 6, 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So again, fathers, don't aggravate your kids. You know what bugs them. You know what drives them nuts. Don't do it. How come he told that to the fathers and not the mothers? It's the mothers telling the fathers, don't do that. Leave them alone. They told you that it bugs them, Right. But yet, you know, they just love to have fun and aggravate because that's what they do best. So again, God knows all things, doesn't he? He created us, so I guess he knew what he was doing, right? All right, and then number three, you must agree on the in-law situation. Oh, everybody loves that. <laughs> the in-laws, the outlaws, the bylaws. Okay, so... As we all know, there's crazy in every family. So if anybody tells you there isn't, they're crazy. So there you go, right? So there's crazy somewhere in every family. Nobody's exempt from that. So here's the question you need to ask regarding the in-laws. How are we going to deal with that? You've got a mom that drives me nuts, or you have a father that is like, whoa, how are we going to deal with that? Okay, where will we be spending the holidays? Whose house? Do we go to your parents' house for half the day and my parents' house for the other half the day, or are we going to spend this holiday at your parents' house and then this other holiday at my parents' house? How are we going to work that? Those are all conversations that you need to have before you get married. So come the holiday, it's a beautiful holiday and nobody's arguing because we already had this conversation and we know where we're going, okay? Too often people are getting married before they've had the hard conversations. When your parents get old, who's gonna take care of them? 
Are they going to be able to live with us or what? I need to know that right now. Okay? <laughs> so those are all things that you need to know because then nothing comes as a surprise. It's not like, oh, well, uh, we never talked. Well, you never told me that. If you would have told me that, we'd have never gotten married. Well, it's a little too late. So here we are. That's why you have the hard conversations before you get married, okay? So, and then number four, the most important of them all, the last one, is religion, okay? You want and you must have God as the center of your marriage. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I believe that when you individually have God as the center of your own personal life, you can love your spouse better. And I believe people that are full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and have a relationship with God and a revelation of who God is, they're going to love you better. And, and why is that? Well, because guess what? As we all know, you're going to go through some rough times, Everybody does. Nobody's exempt. But guess what? You know God, and I know God. And we're going to get through this together. Right? 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? That clearly tells us, we better be on the same page with who we choose as our mate. Because, again, if you don't, you're going to open yourself up for some serious problems. Okay? So it is of utmost importance that you agree on your faith. And, again, attend church together. Now, I know that there are times that people come to God or uh, to have a relationship with God later after they're married. And many times I see wives coming alone or husbands coming alone because their spouse doesn't want to come or for whatever reason. But guess what? Come anyway. Because you know what? Just pray for them. And whatever you do, don't beat them over the head. It's a worse thing to do. Don't like, you know, no, nah, you got to come to church with me. What's the matter with you? You're not coming to church, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? You know what? Worry about yourself. Get yourself together and pray for them. And let me tell you something. God can deal, and I do this a lot. I don't talk to people about God. I talk to God about people. So you know what I do? Honey, I use the weapons that he's given me, and I say, Lord, you know what? I'm done talking to that person. So, but guess what? You can talk to them in the wee hours of the night. You can talk to them when they're alone driving in their car. You can soften their heart. I can't. You can change their mind. I can't. Pray for your spouse. And you should be praying for your spouse even if they're coming to church and sitting right next to you anyway. But, again, you just come. Even if they don't want to come, it's okay. Be the example. And don't go home from church and act like a devil because then they're never going to want to come to church, right? So, again, show the love of God. Be the light that God wants you to be. 
serve together in the church. Give together in the church. Love God together and pray together. It's so important. Seek God together. Ask God together and fast together. Marriage is the safest relationship on earth when God's, God's laws for love are honored. So you need to respect one another, honor one another, and work together in unity for the same common goals. Would you all stand? What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.